Hello and welcome to the Men Able Matters podcast, brought to you by the Men Able Movement. I'm Steve Whitten, the founder of Men Able, and it's our intention to bring you hints, tips and the inside stories from our fabulous guests to help you to understand mental health and to get the global automotive industry talking about it as an everyday subject. So join us with another fantastic guest here on Men Able Matters. Welcome to another episode of Men Able Matters with me, Steve Whitten. I'm delighted today to be joined by an absolute icon of the automotive industry. He's going to hate me for saying that, but I did say that I would big him up. This guy, uh, we connected at an award ceremony a few years ago, and we've kept in touch ever since. And I'm in awe of the work that he does because he's, he's an absolute icon, as I said, throughout the automotive industry, and particularly in the garage repair sector. So if you haven't guessed already, my guest today is the garage inspector, Andy Sava. Andy, how are you, sir? Good morning. That £50 note that I gave you at that award <laughs> ceremony has worked very, very well. It did all right, didn't it? How was that yeah. for, a, for an intro? Was that okay? Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> all right, good stuff. I'll t- well, look, I'll tell you what, I've bigged you up a little bit, but uh, tell us a little bit more in your own words about who you are, where you're from, what you do. What I, I do, okay. About 20 minutes, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, so the garage inspector is a very passionate guy um, about the after-sales sector. Um, I've spent all my life from the age of 18 in the sector. Um, it wasn't my chosen sector. I was one of those um, those kids that wasn't very good at learning. Um, and yet the aftermarket and the garage industry was the right place for you. You know, Go and do your... your um, your work environment in a garage, you know? I think and, that's a familiar uh, story in the automotive it, it, industry, full it, stop, isn't it? It is. And I still <laughs> see many examples of when I visit colleges or sixth form centres or schools when I'm doing a presentation about the wonderful careers that you can have in the automotive sector, uh, how kids are segregated into an area that I go into, into a room, and they say to me, oh, these kids are not going to really go to university. We thought the garage industry would be good for them. So I try and stick up in a professional manner for us. And that stigma has been around for years. Um, and, and, you know, I got into it because I was sort of pushed into it a little bit. Um, and I've made the most of it. Um, and I've learned the hard way. Um, and I've had several garages uh, throughout my life, um, mostly bad at the beginning, um, and then very good towards the latter part of my career. Um, and in, it, the game changer was for me was in 2005, I suppose, when I sold the last businesses and I felt that I needed to go and educate myself a bit more. Um, I tried to get some work in the after-sales sector, the retail sector, because at the time I thought that that's the only way you're going to survive. Um, independence never had a future. Mm-hmm. I saw technology moving quite fast even then. Um, and I thought the only way we... I can stay in this industry is, is really get into the retail side. And every time I went for a job, I was never given the chance um, because I didn't understand the makings of a dealership, you know? So I enrolled and did uh, an automotive retail management degree at um, Loughborough University mm-hmm. under Professor Jim Saker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, so, yeah. Um, and I was there for three years uh, with all the dealer groups you know, all the big boys there for tick box <laughs> exercise. And um, 
I felt a little bit um, at the time. I felt a little bit, um, you know, you know, because I wasn't really made to feel very welcomed. Um, who was this independent chap coming into our environment, sort of thing? And uh, but I yeah, stuck you're, out. you're from the you're from the mucky end of the stick, really. Yes, aren't you? <laughs> I'm the I'm the mucky end. Yeah, so. You know, it's um, it, it took time to build up relationships and 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 move on. And I also got the opportunity while I was there to do some lean Six Sigma and black belt uh, training at the Nissan uh, uh, factory in Sunderland, which was real the real game changer for me. Then, you know, during that period of uni, um, I'd spent four and a half years while I was doing that, visiting some iconic after-sales centres around the country, thinking that these were our gods of our industry. Yeah, yeah. And what I saw, um, okay, I, I used to go to the worst performing in CSI, because everyone's measured by CSI, you know, customer <laughs> service index. Uh, and I'm sure that's a very similar way now. Mm -hmm. um, I used to go to these places and um, it was just madness. It was, at, I felt it was absolute chaos. 80% um, of the problems that I saw and encountered were across the board. And it gets you thinking about how does mental health begin? You know, where does it evolve from? Yeah, yeah. And having done that for about four or five years, I decided that I could do a better job. Are, we, are you talking predominantly, were these uh, predominantly franchised? Yeah, all franchises, you know, Pendragons, Inchscapes, the Marshals, yeah. you know. The big all, all, PLC groups. Yeah. Big PLC groups. Mm -hmm. So I'll come back to that in a second because I want to touch on a couple of points and give you some real, what I think are still valid and relative points that mm -hmm. I think uh, increase the chances of people who work in these environments getting ang anxious, yes. depressed. Yeah. yeah. So having done this for about four or five years, I then, you know, had the evidence in front of me to say you know what it's time to go back and run an independent but really do it properly mm -hmm. you know i've learned from my mistakes i've got a bit of academia now and thus brunswick garage was born and um that was a fantastic business you know it was at that time the biggest recession we saw 2009 you know trying to raise money it was a huge project uh you know purchasing ninety thousand square feet splitting it up into different units starting the garage from scratch um, putting all the learning that I'd, I'd, I'd acquired into it and it became a fantastic business. Great. I assembled a great team and gave them the environment to excel. Yes, there was pressure. Of course, there's pressure. Um, and we sold that um, four and a half years ago now. And then people started basically um, contacting me. I, I sort of, we, we got known, the garage got known um, after about two, two and a half years. So I became a a member of the IAAF, the Independent Aftermarket um, Association Federation. I became vice president, was doing quite a lot of work with them. And then I started writing articles because people asked me for articles. And then I started in, to enjoy that work. And then it was like um, events like we, you know, we, we, we met each other or other, other automotive events where they wanted a, a keynote speaker as such. And when I sold um, Brunswick, I never had a real idea about what I was going to do apart from knowing that I just wanted to help the independent sector. Yeah. So I worked really hard for 18 months, two years to put this course material together. And then I started offering these specific unique training days centered around my experiences and what I learned. And 
expanding that to garage visits. And that's gone fabulously, you know, well. And as you can see, I've got, you know, four brand ambassador roles, which I'm very humbled and privileged to have with some global companies around the world. Yep. Give me yep. confidence and it gives me um, an arena to be able to talk with confidence and also give people, you know, an idea about using quality products will actually help you in your environment. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's an all round package, I think. And when we think about mental health, um, it's a huge subject and it's been accelerated during the last 12, 13 months because of COVID, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So that's me really in a nutshell, you know, I'm really passionate about the after-sales sector. And just this morning, just to show you what happened this morning, uh, there was a bit of chat on my Facebook group last night and the night before about some of the changes that have happened between the parts deliveries that my garage customers are getting from OE dealers in particular one, I'm not going to name them. So I reached out to the CEO who we follow each other on Twitter and I've, I have to give it to him. He, this morning, uh, I sent a tweet last night and this morning, the first message back was from him. Um, Dakash Gupta from Marshalls. I mentioned him because I think he deserves it. You know what? I knew you were going to say that because you know that, what? the he, minute you said he responded straight away, I thought yeah, there's so, only Dash are going to do that. I know. And I and I reached that to another two. Yeah. Right. And 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 I, I had I already sort of knew that I think I thought out of the three, who's gonna who's gonna reach out? This morning, spot on, I get a <laughs> message from him. And and that shows care and leadership from him. hundred percent. Right. They are rivals to us in a mm -hmm. sense. But I said to him, so we had a really, really positive interaction. Mm -hmm. And he's already spoken to his after sales director and already copied me in. And I've gone back to my group and say, look, let's get the information and let's help these guys help us. Mm -hmm. Because that adds to the stress of what they're going through. Yeah, stress ultimately leads to anxiety and then depression if you can't deal with it. Yeah. So I have to really, really thank him publicly for reaching out, you know, um, as he did. Um, so that's great, huge of respect um, um, for him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, to him. So have I lost? Yeah, so I've really got to thank him. So hopefully we can build up the rapport and then get some of these issues that are solved. And a lot of these issues are just communication. Yeah, yeah. yeah or the lack of it. You know, so that's me. So I'm hoping to get back on the road in the next couple of weeks and do what the garage inspector does. Yeah. You know, help, support, guide, advise and be a vocal point for that really important sector, the independent sector that are very in tune with their local communities mm -hmm. um, and offer that service, keeping the, you know, keeping the country going, as they say. And listen, the other sectors are also important. The retailers are important. The fast fits are important. And, uh, you know, there should be a choice for a consumer to, to, to where they want to go and get their car serviced yeah. and repaired. Now, you and I, Andy, had a good long chat. Well, we, we often chat anyway, but we had a good long chat a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, you were very open about some sort of issues that, you know, come under the heading of mental health that you've perhaps had yourself. And, you know, we talked about that. Yeah. And I know that recently you've had some challenges as well in, in yeah. within the family. So, yes. you know, um, 
what I sense that that's done for you is given you an empathy for where some of the guys and girls out there in the network are, particularly if you're an independent, you're working on your own, you know, like you've just touched on, you're dealing with some of those issues that are imposed on you by the processes of the bigger businesses. So, you know, talk us through, you know, in your own words, what's happened for you and, and where that's positioned you in terms of your thinking. So on a, on a personal level, um, I suffer greatly um, in my early years with mental health, right? So um, I came from a broken family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, um, my father left my mother when I was five, six years old. Uh, he went and became a monk in Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother then left me when I was 11. I was the only child at the time. So, um, you know, I got taken from one home to another home, then into a children's home. So my, learn, my, 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 my very early years, those really important years when you need, you know, love and support weren't actually there. Um, and within the environment that I was growing up, I, I ended up getting involved in stuff that was quite serious um, towards me. Um, I never done anything of that nature, but it was just, you know, um, stuff that I wouldn't, want anyone to go through um and then so mentally I was very weak um I've, I've been working in the in the in the garage sector um in in a, in a retailer trying to learn my trade and it was only until I met my you know my, my my wife and my family you know my in-laws then back when I was 2021 um we got married we've had three kids trying to run a business at that time was very stressful, had no business acumen at all. I started very young when I was 23, 24 with my first garage. I had no idea really what I was doing. Even when I opened the second one and the third one, I didn't have much idea. I was improving each time, but, um, but the, the, the stress and the mental um, uh, capacity that I went through was quite large and it affected my home life and it affected the way um, I was with my, say, my wife, you know, my kids. And it was only when I got to the age of around, believe it or not, uh, my wife had no idea about what I'd gone through. She, she, I, I, I gave her snippets, but never really, never really sat down and explained fully in detail. Right, right. Well, it was like another world, wasn't it? So when I when I sat down and eventually had the courage, and it's about having the courage and the fortitude to sit there and tell your closest, you know, what I've gone through, it, it was like a massive cloud mm-hmm. that came over me. I still still suffered after that, but I found it a little bit easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm trying to get over to people here is that it doesn't matter how successful you are, Behind that success, everyone's got something underneath their carpet. <laughs> Everyone. We can yeah. all, we all have stories. Some are worse than others. I mean, I went through a real torrid time as a youngster, right? And that may be what's made me now in my later part of my life. But once I had the courage to talk and share, it's helped me greatly. And the last... I have to say to you, the last five, six, seven years have been the most at ease for me. Mm -hmm. So imagine I'm 54 this year and it's taken me till about 48, 
47 to absolutely be um, good. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't still uh, have my little moments. I deal with them in my own personal way. And when I think what I've created with my home, my kids, my family, and my small network of friends, that is what it's all about. Yeah, 100%. And the problem I have is, is I think for many of us, like me, it's a stigma that mental health, especially men, oh, it shouldn't happen. You know, we've got this macho in it where we're not allowed to cry. We're not allowed to hug. You know, we're not allowed to. Huh? We're all hard. We're, yeah, we're all hard. And, and it's not the case. Not you know, the case actually, at all. We're Absolutely. big softies at yeah, heart. 100%. We just, got to, we just got to know how to have the courage to show that. Mm-hmm. And it's very prim- prominent at, not only at work, but also at home. Mm-hmm. We take things from home to work. We take things from work to home like I did. And we have to be, we have to make sure we separate those. Um, you know, we talk about men's fitness all the time. You know, we want to have big biceps and all that, but it's not about that. If you look at someone like Gandhi, isn't it? I mean, if you blew him, he'll blow away. But look at the people that he had following him. You know, he yeah. never used his strength, he used his other strengths, you know? Yeah. yeah. Trust and compassion you know, and love. Compassion and love. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that, and having self-love. Yeah. Having self-awareness of yourself, mm-hmm. having self-care will help you deal with mental health. Because I think if you're not self-loving yourself, mm-hmm. you're doing yourself an injustice and also the people that are around you. 100%, yeah. And I think it starts with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, not harming yourself by staying quiet, loving yourself. And there's nothing wrong in that. And having broad shoulders and being able to tap someone on the back and sit there and just have a chat. And when I do my garage visits, I've had many encounters, Stephen, honestly, where I've gone in and done a Gordon Ramsay, right? And then the owner vanishes, then we meet up somewhere, we go into a private corner, and there's a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. And all they need sometimes is a... There's nothing yeah. wrong yeah. with cuddling someone. And I guess and, a lot uh, of these people are, are people who are, you know, like you were, sort of running businesses on their own and, and yeah. perhaps don't have the support network at Exactly. Work. They don't. And who do you go to for business help or mental health? And also yeah. it's recognising how, how do we help these people recognise mental health? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is it that we're doing? You know, what is the employer doing and where does he go? What's the employer doing for his team? How does he or she recognize mental health you know yeah, yeah. and i think when we think about an organization like ben right which i've supported greatly i think in the independent sector it's very rare for people to know who ben is yes yeah yeah i think in the resale tech sector it's they they're, they're much the organization is much more visible mm. in the independent sector i feel that it's not so visible mm-hmm so we try and do that. I try and do that in my, you know, whenever I feel it's appropriate because there is help there. Yeah. Uh, but the first thing as people, we need to recognize that we have a problem. Yeah. And that's one thing I, I knew I had a problem, but I couldn't talk about it. So if you had the chance to, to go back and, and talk to your sort of 16, 17 year old self, having dealt with what you dealt with, what, what, what would you say to them? I would say to them, I would say to them that however low you are, have a black, that hole is 
however you think you've reached the last stop of that train stop yeah there is always help there's always someone out there to help you but you need to help yourself by having some self-love as i said earlier and some self-discipline yeah um it's easier said than done because it took me years to, to do it it took me years but also i think the environment that they're in it, it, it depending on the environment that they're in at, at that time, whether you can get help or not, and whether the people that they're surrounded with can acknowledge and see that this individual is suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So depression could be many things, you know. Anxiety brings on many things, you know. It could be that you can't pass an interview. It could be that you, you can't pass your driving test. You know, you keep trying. So the simplistic things of life that we take for granted, especially in the workplace, can lead slowly in little steps into depression and then into mental, mental, mental illness, you know? And another perfect example was one of my youngsters at work, I'm not going to name him, a few years back, one of my top boys, right? Over a few days and a few weeks, his performance deteriorated. He started coming in late, not showing at all. Well, as a responsible human being now, I've recognised it. You know, I've dragged him in. We've had a chat. He's got a gambling problem. Online gambling. Wow, okay. And that's keeping him up at night, I guess. Keeping him up. But more, more worse than that, he's loaned some money from some loan sharks. And he owes £10,000 and they're after him. Wow, okay. He's 22, 23 years old. What do I do? What do I do? He, he can't tell his parents. He's really like, you know, really frightened. So what do I do? As, first of all, as a father myself of a young lad, as, and, and as I felt was a responsible person. So what I did... I went and drew the money out. We called the loan sharks. They came around the garage. We paid them. And I supported that young lad to get on the right track. And now he's flying. And I still stay in contact with him. And he always reminds me of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's that. And as an employer, as someone running a business, Stephen, I think it's very important you've put yourself in that pedestal you have to take that responsibility so these youngsters when they're in this learning environment 16 17 you as a department head or a teacher you have to take that's the responsibility you have yeah yeah now you you, i mean that's i think this is partly why we connected so well is because you know you you stand out in terms of that level of compassion and empathy there but what we were talking about before we started recording was your experience of the industry yes. is not only, you know, do men typically not talk about stuff? Yes. The motor trade doesn't necessarily encourage, you know, talking about things. But you also said that you have seen some practices as you went around the industry yeah. that, that kind of made your hair curl. I, I didn't, you know, even when I had hair, it used to yeah. make me curl, but I, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. What? Yeah. Talk, talk to me about that. Okay, so... Traditionally, in a retailer, um, everyone in, is incentivized by bonus. Whether you're in sales or whether you're in the workshop yeah. and possibly parts, you're always incentivized by sales. 
Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The salespeople usually get a low salary mm-hmm. <laughs> and I incentivize to sell. Yep. Right. And when they sell, they get a bonus. Yeah. And when they sell financial products, they get a bonus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. In the workshop, it's all about productivity. Yeah. Sell me hours that I can charge for. Yeah. Yes. Hours, efficiency. All that. <laughs> for me, having now analyzed, worked, spoken, seen, I think on a personal level, it's the most draconial way to incentivize anyone to work in our industry. Yeah. Right. And I'll give you the reasons why. It causes anxiety mm-hmm. from one month to the next, which will then cause other stems of mental health increasing without people around them acknowledging what they've just done. Mm-hmm. You go to, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you go to a retailer at the end of the month, the last day of the trading month, it is absolute madness. Where's that last sale coming from? Because yeah, we have yeah. to hit bonus. What jobs can we close, even if we haven't finished them off? Can we close any jobs? And all you see is people yeah. running around. Yeah. Pressure, stress, close this, close that, ring him. Yeah. Because it's the end of the month, end of the month, end of the month. What does wit so, look like and so on and so on? So what? So yeah. I don't get the sale today and I get it tomorrow. So yeah. what? <laughs> and can you imagine how degrading it is? that I'm a so-called skilled person, whether in sales, whether in the after-sales sector, in, in, the, in the workshop, and I get paid this much and then, and then get asked to perform to, to get the extra. Mm-hmm. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. So I'm a heart surgeon, yeah? So you incentivize me. The more heart surgeries I do in a day, I get more money. No, it don't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Pay these people a reasonable, decent salary. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. them. Give them the environment to, to work in and be comfortable. Mm. Because a lot of the time, Stephen, and I can, and this is factual now, 80% of a technician's productivity is not controlled by him. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that at least 50-60% of a salesman's performance is not controlled by him or her. Yeah, yeah. It's the environment, it's the manufacturer, it's the car that they're trying to, the the brand that they're involved in. In the workshop, a service advisor, there's so many other people that have got to come together to make that person perform. Mm -hmm. Well, hang on a minute. If you keep adding pressure on them, and then what you do, you get after-sales service managers dragging people in, saying to them, why are you not productive? Why are you not this? Why are you not that? And when they're trying to explain to them that, oh, I've gone to the parts counter, but there's only two people working in a parts counter and there's five of us waiting. I'm waiting there for 20 minutes. Or where I go and get the car from the car park, I'm blocked and no one knows who's blocked me and I can't find the key for the other car. Yeah. I've wasted another half an hour. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people just look at statistics, but they don't physically go and have a look and see what are, call- what are causing these problems. Yeah, 100%. So for me, these are, the, these are the kind of things that adds pressure uh, for me, unnecessary pressure. And at the end of the day, if you've employed someone, it means you've employed them on their skill that you want them to do. Why mm, incentivize mm, them? Mm. Why, why say to someone, you know, if you produce this, you produce that, you get more. It yeah. For me, it doesn't work like that. And for fear of getting a bit too deep and philosophical about it, if we go back to what we were talking about at the beginning, 
you know, if we're taking predominantly people who haven't been as academically gifted at school, you know, perhaps they're already not feeling as great about themselves as they could do. You know, and they're, they're coming into an environment where, like you've just described, and all of the ingredients over a period of 10, 20, 30 years are all there to, to make these people even more anxious, yeah. you know, and, and slide down into a, some kind of depression or take up compulsive behaviours like you've described. You know, or, everything's there, isn't it? And, and if you think about how, you know, we're losing people, skilled people in our industry. Yeah. We're not retaining people in our industry. Yeah. And most of the problems that we have, Stephen, we've created them. Mm. We, the, the aftermarket have created most of these problems. Yeah, yeah. You know, whether it's a fast fit, that you know, you you know, you go in for one thing and there's incentivized for you to get other things. We, we've all heard the whole. So it shouldn't be like that. Mm. Let's be a professional organisation that support our team members, mm-hmm. not only in their technical abilities, and which is very important, but I think the well-being of people. It's all about people. For me, when I ran Brunswick, it was all about the well-being. I set my stall out. we done something revolutionary. Every Friday, Stephen, my wife, my good wife, used to come in or cook at home and bring them a home-cooked meal mm-hmm. every Friday. Mm-hmm. I made sure that the team sat together. I went downstairs and answered the phones. That's looking after people's health. Absolutely, yeah. Well-being. 100%. 100%. Right? Every day, Lucy will bake cakes for them. We would. We never had a bonus structure, but that doesn't mean that we never recognised their hard work and good yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say as well. Actually, sorry that the, you know, what you were saying there is that you know the super tanker of of turning things round so that we're not so focused on targets and performance may take a bit longer to to shift. But the bit that we can change is the mindset of managers and leaders to to do what you've just described, which is recognise their people. And, uh, and, that, and that's and, the bit also, you and I get passionate about because well, yeah. that's what we see doesn't happen. And you know what, Stephen? It's not all about money. No. Some people, some people are really grateful for a thank you. Absolutely. Some people are really yeah. grateful for well done. Can yeah. you imagine what anxiety someone could feel mm-hmm. if you're working really hard, you're getting your re- a, a reasonable salary, yet no one comes up to him or her and recognises that you've stayed an extra half an hour or you've gone in an extra 20 minutes or you've dropped off this car on your own accord to help someone out yeah, by just yeah. saying thank you yeah. or well done yeah. or your magic. Mm. And also telling others around their team and sharing that good news. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where I excelled and I assembled a team that... I, in my contracts of employment, I had my vision, I had my values, yes, and we, we lived and breathed those every day. They were all over the garage in little placards. Everywhere you went, that's our values, mm-hmm. right? And having an environment where people want to jump into and work into, I think is the start of looking after mental health. Yeah having an efficient and productive business because without people feeling good, you can't expect them to work good. Yeah. 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 Having bowls of fruit, allowing them, I never had, allowing them to have, have a break. No problem. Mm -hmm. They're not, these people are not silly. Mm -hmm. Empower them. They're they're sensible people. You've employed them for God's sake. You're the one who's put them on the payroll. Yeah. But what we do, we don't do enough of that. And I think part of the problem in our sector has been that. There's too much pressure, too many targets. The job description is not clear enough. We work so many hours, right? 
and it is just not healthy. And obviously, um, I experience it a lot going into garages. When we, when we have our classroom full of training delegates, we all share these things, you know, and f- people, when they leave our mind training, they feel energized because it's, yeah. look, talk about it amongst our peers. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a small Facebook group now of all the garage visits and delegates that I have. We're flying as a group. Mm-hmm. We are powerful. You know, there's three, 350 of us, whatever there is. I'm hoping we should have had 500 this year, but obviously because of, or last year because of COVID, but we are powerful. Mm-hmm. We are a powerful group. So, you know, you, you think about, you think about this statistic, suicide, suicide in men is the highest death rate under 45. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I and mean, about you, four times higher than it is in women. I mean, that is shocking. Absolutely is. One, one in five, one in five or one in four people, uh, one in four men at work suffer from some kind of depression mm. and anxiety. Mm. That's mental health. Yeah. But we don't say mental health. We just say you're bad at what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because we're geared up for managing the performance, aren't we? Exactly. You know, it's we're managing, we're managing idle time or we're managing, yeah. you know, useless. You mentioned CSI. You know, we yeah. don't we don't celebrate the fact that we got ninety eight percent on CSI. We we take someone to to task over the two percent we didn't get. Yeah, and it's and it's in, in inherent. It's been like that for many many years. Stephen. Mm. Mm. So for me, in the service sector, it's all about people. Yeah, you know, and it all starts. And for me, it all starts from the employment, the recruitment. Mm. What's your recruitment strategies? What are you doing to convince people to come and work for you? Yes, of course, money is, is crucial. But I think the environment that you create, mm-hmm. the bonding that you create, the facilities that you promote, the facilities that you have, and my door, Stephen, was always open. Yeah. Let me bounce something off you, Andy, because we, we talked about this with some, a group of leaders uh, across a particular part of the sector a few weeks ago. And you know, in their efforts to try and understand men able as a concept and what we were going for, they came up with what you would typically class as some objections, which we dealt with. Uh, And one of them was, uh, and forgive the language on this one, but one of them said, if we show that we care too much, our staff will take the piss. That is the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard. And if a leader, and if a leader, a lot more politely than I did. Well, well, uh, well, a load of bollocks then. Yeah. yeah. And if a leader or a manager said that they're in the wrong post. Yeah. And this was somebody who owns their own business. So, Uh, well, I'm sorry. I wouldn't like to work. I wouldn't like to work for that person. Yeah. Shameful. It is. And I'll tell you something. I never had a problem attracting people Mm because the word got round. Mm. I'd love to work for Andy at Brunswick Garage. I'd love to work for Andy at Brunswick. So all these people that struggle attracting people is these kind of people. Yeah. You know why? Because I give them a stick salary. That's that's all I'm paying for a tech. And that's the bonus. Go in there and do it. Yeah. But the yeah. infrastructure and the environment hasn't been set up for them to perform. Yeah. Who has yeah. set these targets? And this who's added this pressure? Yeah. And you can never be too nice with people. Yes, there is a line. And there's discipline. Yes. And I'm not avoiding that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you create that environment, mm-hmm. the leader, and you create the working goodness or badness yourself and no one else. Yeah, by absolutely. the people that you employ, by the recruitment process, 
by your values and how you treat people in an environment on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I believe, and what this is what people tell me, I excelled in that because I realized what one thing in the service sector, it's all about people. Mm-hmm. And for me, the mindfulness, well-being, looking after them, every, every morning, especially on a Monday, I would be in there first. The first thing I would do, Stephen, is go and find out how everyone's weekend was. Mm-hmm. Ask about their children, their pets, their sporting activities. It only takes three or four minutes. What does that show? It shows that I'm connected to them. Yeah, yeah. And you, that, that, that empathy that I, that, that I developed with my people was us being not good, but great together. Yeah, absolutely. And when we had a bad incident and we had, you know, obviously we have, we, we had bad moments, we shared them together. Mm-hmm. And when we had good moments, we shared them together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough of that is in, I don't think enough of that happens in our sector, specifically in the big, bigger groups and the bigger national chains when we come to fast fits. Yeah. I have seen some real disasters. And the sad thing about it for me is that there are, there are some exceptional people working in these environments. And you know what happens in the end? Because of the anxiety, because of the stress that's put upon them, because of the lack of support, they leave. They leave well, that sector. I, I saw something on a, forgive me, I can't remember, it might have been on LinkedIn or, or Twitter or something like that, but somebody uh, who works for one of these fast fit chains, won't say which one, uh, but they put something on there about uh needing some help and support uh and i then sent that on to someone else and said have you got any contacts in this organization because i'd like to contact them and talk about men able and what we can do and this person came back and said don't bother they're a complete bunch of neanderthals and i thought and that's no reflection on them because they were just being honest with me but the point is that you know if there's somebody there who perceives this organization as neanderthals you know and they don't even work for them what, what must it be like working for them? Exactly. What chance have you got? Yeah. But that must have, that must, that seed, that thought must have come from somewhere. Yeah. And, and it's not, and, and it, it, it's not a small seed, is it? I mean, that's quite a drastic thought, isn't it? Yeah. To yeah. express a feeling, to express about an organization, like whoever they are. Yeah. But yeah. that's not uncommon. I, I hear it all day. I hear it every day. Every day I'm helping people. Mm. So, you know what, for me, it's kindness. It's working environment. What are we? What are we doing in our working environments? You know, a lot of. I go to a lot of. You know, when I when I spent my time in and listen, the independents. I'm not saying they're full of roses either. We have our issues. Yeah, most of them you wouldn't want to take your bicycle in some of the places I visit <laughs> for repair. You know, it's like going back to the 1960s in some places. Yeah, yeah. But at least they've recognised it, mm. have a late, and at least they want to change for the better. Mm, mm. Right. It's, 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 and, and some of the bigger environments that I've been to, it's just, I, you, you can feel the pressure on people. We, there's only so much we can take, Stephen, as human beings. There's only, you know, so, and, and, and what we, we've all got to accept, our thresholds are different. You know, you know, what I suffered in, you know, I suffered badly in my younger years. You know, those crucial years, you know, I was abused. Um, both sexually and physically um, it's not easy to talk about it wasn't easy for me to talk about it then yeah you know I was involved in some really nasty stuff 
not because I wanted to be involved in it. I was dragged along. Right. You know, and that stayed with me for years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, you get nightmares and, and everyone's thinking, what's the matter? So they, they look at you on the outside thinking you're, you know, this big shot, but you're not. Everyone mm-hmm. inside has got something that they've encountered and experienced, you know, whether it's a long period or a short period, but we've all got something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And all I want to do is just share now, and we discuss it in, in, in the classes that I do, because I think it's important to set the scene especially when I do the leadership and management course, you know, it's all about that for me. You know, the best CEOs in the country recognize their team members, whether it's the stacker at the night shift or whether it's a head of marketing. Yeah. You're all level. Yeah. And that's how I see it. Whether it was my driver or the valeter or the cleaner, they all came into the meetings. Why? Because we're all equal. Yeah. And that elevates people and gives people self-respect to self-love and hopefully give back to their team members and support each other. Yeah. And I'll tell you a little story, which just has just come to me. So about, about two and a half years ago, December time, I had a little video message from five of my team members who went out on a Christmas tree and they were on the tube in central London coming back. And it was about a minute long and it was all five of them together. And it was just a little Christmas message to me. They were all together. It was really fun. And they called it the Brunswick Garage Reunion, right? I was unaware that they've stayed. I've left. Some of them have left, gone to new pastures. I was unaware that they've stayed together. (laughs) And that to me... I had tears in my eyes. I was so mm. happy. I showed my family and I was so happy because I thought, look what I've created. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. I sort of got back and I said to him, well, that's nice. How comes I, I wasn't invited to the Brunswick <laughs> Garage reunion? Anyway, what we did a few months, uh, two, two, three months after that was arranged to get, get together and have a meal out. And we did. And oh my God, we had so much fun together. And then what, what they exposed to me is some of the photos and things they were getting on within the workshop, laughter, you know, a lot of pranks that they were doing. I had no idea what was going on, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, but it made the environment fun mm-hmm. for them. And now they felt okay to show me. And I, I was laughing about, you know, showing me little videos. I thought, gosh, when, when did you do that? And I didn't see that or, you know, pranks on each other. That should be allowed. Yeah, Let's yeah. be big kids. Know our work, know our job descriptions, understand what we're trying to achieve. But that gave me so much. And one of the one of the chats in there was the chap I told you about who had the, you know, the gambling issue that we helped out. So that is what it's about. That, yeah, absolutely. that is what really yeah, gives me, that's yeah. what drives me. And and make that banter of a sort that, you know, that is appropriate enough that you can bring customers in on that as well. Because in my experience, they absolutely love it. They want to be a part of it. You know, they they don't want to be, yeah, they don't want to be, you know, sort of kept out of some private joke that's going on. They, you know, want to be a part of, of, uh, you know, the fun and the laughter and the energy. It's, it's all that. It's the whole, for me, it's the whole experience. Yeah. Yes. Let's work hard. Let's stay together. But I think as a manager or or an owner or a leader or a department head or whatever you are, whatever category, I think we all have to recognize and, and, 
and accept that we, we need, we're there to support our people mm-hmm. in many ways and be mindful and generous and kind is the starting block for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But also to get team members to help each other yeah. when you're not there, because you can't be 24 seven. And I think that's what we created at Brunswick. And that's what I try to encourage, you know, there shouldn't be a them and us culture, you know, managers and yeah, no, we can't do it without the other. We need bonding, you know? So and, Andy, uh, your, um, you know, your experience there and your story, that's, I mean, that, that's all awesome, but um, going forward with the whole kind of mental health in the automotive industry and stuff, one of the things you touched on there was, was leadership. What I'm finding is that there are increasing numbers of leaders who actually are probably suppressing and repressing their own issues. And as a result, that's causing them to behave in a way that's kind of perpetuating the opposite of yeah. what we're trying to achieve, which you get people talking. So what would be your top tips, you know, to wrap up with for, for them? I think they have to acknowledge that they're not superhuman. They're not right. Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not Batman. You can do anything. They're not one of these, you know, superhero comics. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Just because they've got the stripes or the badge. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. It's irrelevant. We yeah. all, we all, we all are at, are at different levels and we've all got different responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that we have as humans is that we all suffer anxiety, stress, pressure. Mm-hmm. And the moment we accept that in our organization, and if you're a leader of a big group, the more that you can discuss with others and share your anxieties and pressures with your team members, whatever their role is, I think the place that you're in will be a far, far better place. Yeah. The moment you stand up as a CEO, general manager, manager, and say, boys and girls, this is what's getting me down. I want yeah. to share it with you. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people might be sharing the same experience as them lower down the chain. I don't like to use lower down the chain because for me, people in a workplace are all equal, yeah. regardless of yeah. pay, status, color, creed. I don't care. Just have different responsibilities. <laughs> and I think the acceptance of that and that self-love that I said to you at the beginning where we can stand up as human beings and express those thoughts in an open environment, I think is the starting point of moving forward and getting out of this hole. And I don't think there's enough of that. I think it's this macho image. You know, I'm so-and-so. I can't yeah, grieve. Yeah. I can't. No. No, you do grieve. And when you grieve, grieve with your team members if you have to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I put a vlog out a week or so ago, which pretty much alluded to the fact that are we, you know, are we treating this as a bit of a fad? And are we going to go back to when we go back to normal? Will all of this get brushed under the carpet again? But I have to say, listening to what you've just said there, um, I think there are more and more growing voices that are saying, no, absolutely not. You know, this is what we've learned through the pandemic is that people, are more important than anything. And, uh, and we should be working Not together. only that, but we're not an island, Stephen. No. As, we're Great Britain. We're an mm-hmm. island. Us as individuals, we shouldn't think ourselves as an island. Mm-hmm. We're not just on our own. Yeah? Reach out, man. Reach mm-hmm. out. There's people that... There's a variety of people that can help you. Yeah. But reach yeah. out to your closest and then spread your wings. I When, when I did that, I found... You know, and it took me a long time to tell my closest friends what mm. I'd gone through. They had no idea, mm. but it was eating me. When I say to you, eating me. Yeah, I understand. It was, it was eating me, you know, to go yeah. through what I went through, um, you know, to be left alone, 
to have no parents at a young age, to go from one place to another, to get abused, you know, week after week, month after month, month mm. you know, to get punished and, mm. you know, it, it's, it's what worse can you, what worse, what, what worse is it? So you haven't met, you haven't met your monthly target or you haven't, so what, so mm. what? Mm. The place is a bigger place. Yeah, yeah. Let's, and also tackling these problems, there has to be a good structure. <laughs> we just got a quick glimpse of your ceiling there. Yeah, sorry. You know, <laughs> there we go. Look, he doesn't want to know, does he? He's there got a go. mind of his own, you see. Yeah. That's, what, that's what you've done there, you see. You know, <laughs> uh, tackling these problems have to be done by the, the team. Yeah, indeed. Not just, and, and don't make decisions, you know, you've gone in one day, you've decided to paint the walls red. Mm-hmm. That no consultation. So a lot of decisions that are made come around because of a lack of communication and a lack of a, a lack of asking people what they really want in their environment. Yeah, yeah. We don't change their environment. We don't even ask them. Yeah. And you're spot on. I mean, I, I do a lot of work with the sort of larger groups and the, and the big PLCs and, you know, and I know that the OEMs, and uh, you know, will put pressure on them through standards to have a showroom and a, and a premises that looks a certain way. You know, and if you're if you're taking down a route of spending fifteen million quid on a on a brand new place and it's got thirty eight bays in the workshop, you know, you're going to want to return on that. And you know, it, it, I can understand where the kind of look. This is all about the hours and the and the sales and you know the people bit almost gets forgotten. But the irony, of course, everything we've talked about is if you put people first, put them at the top of the agenda, what you actually need delivered gets delivered. I remember I was in it. I was in a Volkswagen dealership once, um, not too far from me, and they were having an audit by the manufacturer. <laughs> and they 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 put across. I remember uh, liaising with this chap, and they 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 didn't have the bone china cups for the coffee out, and the handles were facing the wrong way, or something. Uh, yeah, and 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 he started putting crosses on, and you know, or stupid things like that. And I thought, how ridiculous. What about knowing whether someone can answer the phone correctly or whether <laughs> the person on the front desk is okay and have they been given the tools to do their job properly and are yeah, they supported yeah. rather than yeah. worrying about what cup I've got out for the coffee for the consumers? I yeah? know what you mean. I know, it's, yeah. I know it's, in the overall things we, we've got to have, you know, but it's all right having the, you know, the fascia, but if they've got no substance in the back, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and another one, in, I remember another one in Thetford had to change his tiles in the workshop because they weren't the right colour. Yeah, yeah. At 28 grand and he was pulling his hair out. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what you just said. These standards are set. The pressure's then added onto the, you know, the finance director and the CEO and the MD. And then it just drivels down. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then the department heads come in and then they're, they're, they're added with the pressure. And then what they, what they what's been done to them, they do their... To their individual team members. Yeah, yeah. But where's the well-being? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So well, one of our little mantras is that uh, positive employee outcomes equals positive customer outcomes, which equals positive business outcomes. And 1, you know, too many businesses start that the other way around. You're, you're absolutely. And as I said, right at the beginning and in the middle, for me, it's all about the people. You get the people yeah. thing right. Yeah. And you give them as a leader, you give them the environment to be able to do their job mm-hmm. and don't expect too much, for me, is the starting point. Yeah. You know? And there's yeah. not enough of it. I don't think there's enough of it. Uh, maybe in the last 12 months, it's exaggerated the discussion, mm. but I'm a doer. 
Mm-hmm. I don't just talk about it. The thing is, like you said, what's going to happen when we get back to the madness in May and when all the showrooms and all the garages open and, you know, we do whatever we're going to be doing. And this is not attacking the retailers now. I'm just generalising. Mm. But I gave you some examples that happen in a retailer. In the independent sector, a lot of them don't have these kind of schemes because we're very one low tiered, you know, five or six techs, owner, manager, and a couple of people on the front desk. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 we don't have that kind of structure, but we have our other problems, mm. you know? Um, so, and this, this gradually gets, so for us, for me, it's important. That's why I did the leadership and the management course to bring some real life to the, to the, to the table. And what you're trying to do, you know, I'll take my hat off to you. It takes courage to do that. Um, and the more of us that can stand up and not be ashamed that we've all we've all suffered some kind of yeah, yeah. you know anxiety, some kind of depression, some kind of and it's not gonna it doesn't just go away. You know, you can't turn the tap off and on. It's there, it's always around us. And things that happen yeah. to us and happen to our closest people and our family of friends will accelerate that in a day or a week, but it's how we deal with it collectively as family members and as team members. And the more we talk about it, the more we say it's not a stigma, you know, and it shouldn't be a stigma. Let's just discuss it. You know, look, look at these high performing individuals, footballers, sportsmen. They all suffer. They have everything they could ever dream of. Us, Think, oh, I wish I was getting 100 grand a week to play football and, or, <laughs> you know, 100 or, you know, a golfer or whatever it is. But even the very top people who have the best people around them struggle with this mental health issue. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Because the expectations. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Andy, that's been awesome. I actually could sense a, a part two, if not several parts that you and I yeah. could do on a podcast, putting the world to rights and sorting out the industry yeah. as we are. Yeah. Um, I mentioned to you privately outside of this, so uh, I can edit this bit out if you're not happy with this, yes. but I would very much be honoured if you would add your voice to the Men Able movement of course, uh, in I would. some way. Yes. Um, the, the obvious is to ask you to be an ambassador. So, you you know, we'll, we'll find a way of getting that badge yeah. put onto your little, your fleece that you're wearing somehow. So, yeah. How would you feel about that? I'd be happy to do that. Um, I'd probably like to keep it separate from this. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think it's it's its own topic, but 100% yes. You're a top Whatever we can do to promote and help help our industry colleagues deal with these kind of issues, I think could only be a positive, mate. Yeah. So I'm really, I'd be happy to engage, and I'd be happy to engage with your your you know, bigger client base with the retailers that we've sort of criticised a little bit, right? But I want to try and criticise in a positive manner for them yeah. to make a change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And That's like exactly I said, what we're hats about. off to uh, Dash, you know, you know, CEO Marshalls, uh, Dakesh Gupta, who reached out to me today, mm-hmm. already spoke to his after sales, because these little things actually cause these stresses that really add anxiety to you know, my, my sort of database, you know? Yeah. yeah. So um, there well, are... That's a reflection of how he works with his teams as well. I mean, I, I'm I like sure. to think of Dash as a, as a friend of Menables, you know, he was, yeah. he's been very supportive of what we're trying to do. And, yeah. uh, and I, I know, and I see for but myself. he's the only as, one. Well. He's the only one that's out there. There's a story in many. that, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry? 
there's a story in that in itself. Story in that in itself. So, mm. you know, um, and he has to be applauded. So where, where we have to say, you know, well done, I think it should be, it should be um, commented on and noted. Yeah, 100%. Andy, you are a top man. And uh, it's absolutely fabulous to know that you're kind of in the in the fold with us. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep you posted on what that looks like. And um, no yeah, problem. let's let's perhaps do another podcast at some point in the future. Anytime, mate. Thank you. Keep well, all right? Yeah, you're a top man. <laughs> Love you, later. Folks. Take care. See you soon. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to Men Able Matters, the podcast brought to you by the Men Able Movement. If you'd like to get involved, join us at menable.org or follow the hashtag Menable. Join us again for another podcast where we'll talk to more fantastic guests and get their hints, tips and insights to their personal stories too. See you again soon.